Welcome, everybody, to the first ever Baseball 360 podcast. I am your host, Mike Candell. Along with me are two of my best friends in the entire world and two of the smartest baseball heads I have ever met. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to meet these two. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me on. It's a pleasure to be a part of this podcast. It's been a long time coming. Uh, For those that don't know me, my name is John Fazio. You guys can call me Faz as a lot of my friends do. Uh, And uh, yeah, I mean, just this is kind of like I said, like a long time coming for us. We, you know, known each other since high school, 2004, five, six, something like that. And, you know, we're all in in the same fantasy baseball league together as well. And, you know, we've had many nights together, just kind of grabbing some beers or drinks and just talking about the game itself. And obviously, you know, we're in the New Jersey, New York metro area. So we talk a lot about the Yankees and Mets. But that's not to say that we don't know what we're talking about with the rest of the league. Uh, we're very well informed, as you said. We're super smart people, and uh, you know, I and personally, you know, I used to work at MLB Network, so I have a lot of experience about like, you know, what what to talk about, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So this is great. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this kind of comes to fruition and how we grow this channel. And uh, you know, we got to start somewhere. So let's do this. Yeah, for sure. I'm Sean. I've known these guys going on 20 years now. Foz, I think we go back to freshman year. Mike, I met you a couple of years later. Um, just excited to be a part of this homegrown sports network, kick off these podcasts. I think it's a long time coming. I mean, we've been big baseball fans for a long time, pretty much been having this podcast for almost 20 years now, just unofficially. So it's happy to finally get it going, talk some some baseball, talk some Mets and Yankees, uh, just shoot the shit, have a few beers and uh Just have fun recording. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is going to be fun, no doubt about it. But we wanted to bring our conversations to you guys out there. We're passionate fans. Um, We know what we're talking about. We're not overly emotional, but we are passionate at the same time. Yeah. And I think you're going to get a pretty realistic take from us. We don't overreact here. Um, But, you know, we like to have fun and just make it like a casual conversation. So just an easy listen, I think, is what you could expect from us and just a reasonable take on what's going on in the world of sports. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, as you guys were kind of saying, like trying to keep it even keel, you know, I think in this world today, especially in media, where like you want to be the first voice to like be out there and like voice an opinion, you know, like in my world, at least in my sports world, like I never really like, if, especially if a trade goes down, I'm usually not one, especially in the last couple of years to like react right away. I'm always like, all right, well, let's see how this works out. You know, like uh, one instance is like the Harrison Bader trade last year. A lot of people kind of were upset about Jordan Montgomery getting traded. And although the Yankees did lose an arm in the uh, the rotation, Bader was one of the best defenders uh, in the league. And, you know, once he came out, he showed up real big, in the especially in the playoffs. He was probably their best yep. player in the playoffs. They knew Harrison Bader was injured when they made it. And people started freaking out just because Montgomery had a few good starts with the Cardinals right off the bat like it's it's typical the new york sports media but that's just how it is baseball is a game that requires a lot of patience every game requires patience an entire season requires patience it's just it's 162 games you can't live and die with everyone you have to see how things play out over a long sample size just kind of going back to like i want to touch up before we get started just kind of like how far back we all kind of go with like the game uh of baseball you know, like I could remember when I was like three years old watching MSG Network and watching the Yankees on there. And, you know, a lot of that is due to my brother, my older brother. 
he's a few years older than me. And, you know, he kind of took me under his wing to watch the game, play the game together, you know, obviously in the backyard and stuff like that. Um, and I would say like, you know, that 95 Yankees team, Don Mattingly's last year, he was probably my first player I really looked up to, um, you know, growing up. And then obviously they won the World Series in 96, which at the time I thought, wow, that's so cool. But now as an adult, I'm like, wow, it's like really a rare instance that a team gets to go so far and win a championship that like you kind of take it for granted, especially in the 90s with those teams. And, you know, obviously you guys being Mets fans, I'm sure it's it's a much different story. It certainly yeah. is. I think Yankee fans themselves forget how hard it is to do what those 90s teams did. Baseball hasn't seen a repeat champion since then. Yeah, it really was a dynasty. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, especially in 2000. Um, yeah, no, for me, I guess it's kind of similar timing. Like, I I remember, you know, driving around even before I moved to Jersey, just being really young, like sitting in the my dad's four tempo listening to uh, hmm. Mike and the Mad Dog and Sports Talk Radio and like the early 90s Mets teams. Uh didn't really start watching yes. for myself probably until like 1996, I would say, just based on the players on that team. First favorite Met was uh, was Todd Hundley. Uh, this is 41 homer season. I was actually pissed off and they traded for Mike Piazza because it meant Hundley had to uh, move to left field. <laughs> Got over that pretty quick. But uh, yeah, no. Patience. Uh, Patience. Been, uh, been watching the Mets pretty much every game I can ever since. Yeah, same same start for me, riding in my dad's pickup truck. I believe it was a GMC, whatever. But yeah, Mike and the Mad Dog going, just uh, not just that, but my grandfather, also a huge baseball fan, and every day he would come home with the New York Post, and I would check out the standings and the box scores. That was incredible. I mean, it was around 1998 was my first season getting into baseball. Maguire and Sosa home run race. It, it, it just, it got me hook, line and sinker. All I cared about was home runs though. That's the only thing in baseball I cared about. So if a guy only had five home runs and a 300 average, didn't care. He wasn't good. <laughs> Obviously I've grown up when it comes to baseball. Now I like things like working accounts, laying down a bunt, stealing a base, old man stuff. You know, it's funny you mentioned box scores, too, because I feel like that's something a lot of the younger generation missed out on. You know, for me, it was the Asbury Park Press for those Ooh. in Central Jersey. Um, Fine publication. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was like a ritual where you just get the newspaper before school, rip it open and go right to the sports section and just see like baseball standings from the day, who is hitting where. Like you said, home runs were big, obviously, at the time. Uh, that commercial with Greg Maddox and John or uh, was it Greg Max and uh well, john smoltz was it john smoltz i thought it was somebody oh else. no tom glavin tom glavin yeah 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 it was glavin yeah yeah yeah. where the chicks dig the long ball uh that's one that of was a good one commercials i should know who the who's in there if it was one of my favorites but in any case uh yeah just kind of reminiscing of like you know missing that kind of uh ritual it's like it's an old man kind of thing but now you know we got phones and uh computers to easily look up whatever we want at any given notice Thank yeah, goodness. I still Thank look up goodness. the box scores just digitally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Same stuff, just digitally, like Sean said. Um, 
video games too. I remember uh, Major League Baseball featuring Ken Griffey Jr. for N64. That was a classic, that mm-hmm. one, you know, especially playing with old Mets teams that had Brian McRae, Carlos Baerga, John Olerud, Todd Hudley, Bernard Gilkey. We can go on and on and on, Sean. You know that. Fun fact, I met Brian McRae at an autograph signing at like a supermarket in like 1998. <laughs> 98, baby, 98. Right, yeah, yeah I, think, I think I had the uh, Super Nintendo Ken Griffey game where like every like player's name was in reference to the city they played for. Uh, yeah, it was. I have to like really look into that. But like, I, I, I think there was like a guy that his name was like Big Apple or something like that. <laughs> I, 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 it was like all related to like New York and stuff. It was it's very interesting. But Ken Griffey was the only real player on that game and he can mash. Yeah, I remember that. I, I think my first baseball game was probably um, – I think it was like the Sports Illustrated, like baseball and football combined game. It was so fugazi. It was like every team was, <laughs> yes, like no team actually had their name. It would just be like in football, be like Miami and they wore aqua. So it's like, all right, I guess they're the Dolphins. Um, and I think the the Mets wore black in the game <laughs> um, before they actually wore black uniforms. I don't, it was, it was a weird game, but it was fun. And it got me hooked on sports games um, Mercury Mets. ever since. Yeah, maybe it was. That was the angle they were taking. They were ahead of the Mercury Mets. <laughs> Obviously, things are changing in this game we love. You know, we'll get into that. The pitch clock, uh, bigger bases, um, even interdivision play, cutting down on the amount of games going from 19 to 14, which I think is going to help some teams and quite possibly hurt a few others. Yeah, so that's like, going to make a major difference for sure. Um, as a fan of a National League East team, I can't say I'm upset about it, um, although it does mean some less fun matchups. But, you know, I'll take playing some of the rest of the National League over playing, um, and especially some of the shittier teams in the uh, AL Central and West over playing the the Phillies and Braves and even the Marlins nonstop. Also, too, like if you're a fan – and you like to travel to other cities to watch your team play, you're going to be able to do that. Yeah. No, it's so it does open that up. I just hope it doesn't get in the way of like those fun uh, rivalries, especially towards the end of the season when you get towards September. Like I really do hope they, uh, they stacked a lot of those divisional matchups towards the end of the I season. I think they did. Nice. I think they did. That'll be good. So we're not playing like the, the A's in like the last week of the season or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just taking a quick look at um, the like last weekend of the season uh, just to, you know, kind of see what's going on uh, for the most part. It looks like, yeah, there's a lot of rivalry matchups happening. Phillies are playing the Mets the last week of the season. Uh, Red Sox, Orioles, um Dodgers Giants that'll be a big matchup for sure um so it looks like yeah they they definitely did that right I remember like of the Yankees are playing the Royals actually in Kansas City that's kind of weird um (laughs) I feel like there's probably a couple of teams like that they can't really match up at the end of the season so they kind of have to like throw in like a random matchup just like the one I just said uh I can remember in like 2015, I want to say um, the commissioner Rob Manfred visited MLB Network while I was working there, and that was like a big topic. Uh, we used to have like these town halls where like all the workers would come in, and like 
he would just like basically field questions from whoever wanted to speak up. And I think that was like a big topic that year because I believe it was the Tigers. They were playing the Braves in Atlanta the last week of the season. They were trying to get into the playoffs. And uh, there was just like a lot of discussion about like, why, why did you like, you know, construct a schedule like that? Like if you wanted to make it more exciting, you should have like a rivalry matchup uh, to kind of determine who gets into the playoffs rather than like some random team from a different, you know, division and league. Um, and so, you know, it's nice to see that the league is taking more efforts this year to do that. And, and yeah, like I would love to see teams visit every ballpark, you know, I think that's really great for people, especially ones that are chasing uh, to go to every single one Hint me, <laughs> I would like to, you know, fulfill that uh, one day. Um, and so, us, you know, maybe the group. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Like I was going to allude to that us, you know, being able to maybe go, uh, you know, once or twice a year and maybe we do like a little video vlog on our channel, you know, that could be something down the line we could definitely do. And obviously like we have to rely on, on the fans of our channel to, you know, be able to do that or, or just have interest in us doing something like that. But yeah, it's definitely something that we could do. And, uh, and then obviously, you know, seeing a team that we enjoy uh, live would be, you know, a big part of that. So uh, it's nice that they're looking to do that and, and step it up there. No, for sure. Yeah. That's going to be fun. It definitely has its merits. Um, like you said, it'll be fun. The idea that I could be like, all right, let me plan a trip to LA and I can go see the Mets while they're out there. If I plan accordingly, you know, or basically wherever. So there's definitely some fun to it. You get to see more different players. Uh, it's got its benefits. Just hope that they, uh, they did right by the teams and that come September, we got some hot divisional matchups. All right, now we're digging ourselves out of the batter's box here. We need a hard 90 feet to first base. Bringing up our offseason, we had wild there. A lot of stuff happening. Um, it seemed like every day there, up until about Christmas, I would say, until the Carlos Correa fiasco happened, and then things came to a screeching halt. What do you guys think? What's your take? We were talking a lot. Yeah, the Carlos Correa saga uh, as as you like to call it, was uh, quite the doozy. And I mean, for you guys, especially being Mets fans, uh, quite an emotional roller coaster. And, you know, Sean, I, I would love to hear like your side of it for sure. Just like what your initial thoughts were when the Giants just all of a sudden fell out of it and the Mets scooped him up. And then all of a sudden now he's not on the team anymore. I think it was just really unexpected from the get go. Um even before he signed with the Giants, it was like a random weeknight late uh, news broke on Mets Twitter that, you know, they were one of the contenders to get him, uh, which kind of came out of nowhere because they weren't really in the conversation before that. It just seemed like out of nowhere, Steve Cohen developed his interest in bringing Carlos Correa here. The Mets were really serious about it um, to the point where people were kind of questioning, like, well, are they really in it? Is this just Boris using the Mets to leverage the Giants to get a better offer? And apparently they were right there. Um, the Giants made him that better offer. He took it. And then obviously it fell through the contract or with the um, the physical. The Mets were right there, swooped in that next day, right after that fell through. Uh, or that same night, I should say. It, it was just really wild. And, like, I think as a fan, like, personally, I've never been a big fan of Carlos Correa. I think what he brings to the table is you can't deny. Um, he's one of the best shortstops in the game, I think. MLB Network ranked him number two this year behind um, Trey Turner. Um, you you can't doubt what he can do offensively and even defensively uh, when he's healthy. 
health has been a question mark for him. Um, so it, it was tricky. Well, yeah. yeah, I was gonna allude to you know, Giants fans really kind of went through a, a shitstorm this this offseason, and you know, my man Arson Judge for what <laughs> eight minutes was a San Francisco Giant. Uh, shout out to John Heyman, of course. Um, and yeah, I mean, when I first heard that, I didn't believe it. Like, I think it's just one of those things where, like, as a, a Yankee fan, it's like kind of delusional. Like, this isn't happening. Like, there's no way he's signing with another team. And then, like, obviously, you know, within 10 minutes, the story and the report got retracted. And, you know, Heyman was just kind of left in the hall there by himself looking at his cell phone, <laughs> like, what did I just do? Um, and then, yeah, obviously, like a few weeks later, you know, the Yankees came in. They had a really serious conversation. I think uh, Hal Steinbrenner was actually in Italy um, when he talked to Judge and was like, we need you on the team. Like, you you are, like, the face of the franchise. We can't let you get away. And on top of that, we're going to make you captain of the team, which I felt like that was probably the icing on the cake for Judge, personally. I think, you know, just looking through the list, and there's some really random guys uh, that were captains of the Yankees way back in the day. But, like, you know, obviously, like, the last 30 or 40 years, it's, like, a, a special honor to get that. And I just felt like, the whole time, the whole offseason, that was what was going to make him come back, was that C on his chest. And they did, you know, it, it, look, it was a lot of money, but Yankees got the money, so it's not my money. Might as well go, you know, spend it on somebody that is exciting, is one of the best players in the game, and it's hard to to pass it up. And, you know, obviously with his height and with his weight and his stature, like, there is a little more risk of injury for sure, but, you know, hopefully there'll be a plenty of years to come where he's chasing those home runs and, you know, really just stepping up offensively and hopefully get a ring. I think Aaron Judge, honestly, was the biggest signing of the offseason, regardless of the fact that he just re-signed with the Yankees. If you take him out of that lineup, what are you really looking at? If so in, in those eight minutes where it looked like the Giants had signed him, I was looking at the Yankees and just kind of saying, like, this team's falling off like that. They're not going to compete this year. That's it. Like uh, either the Rays or Blue Jays are going to step up and take that division. Um, you remove him from that lineup and they're nothing. So I, I think it was essential to bring him back. I, I think it was the only move they could make. Um, and yeah, well, ultimately played out in their favor. Uh, I think they were, it forced their hand. He bet on himself and he got the contract he wanted. Um, so yeah, I, I think uh, ultimately he ended up in the best place possible, and uh, it was something the Yankees needed to do. If you take him out of the lineup, like, there's a chance they don't make the playoffs. And, you know, th you have to think of a perfect scenario. Like, Giancarlo Stanton, he's not going to be there the whole season. He's going to have his injuries. He's never no, been. No, he's going to be up and down all year. Right. And, like, he has shown up in the playoffs. So give him that, especially yeah. when they had that COVID playoff series against the Rays. Even though they lost, he was dominating. He always dominates in that ballpark, too, uh, even going to the WBC as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't see a scenario. Like I, I like I said, like, I didn't see a scenario where, like, they didn't have him. Like, they needed to sign him. Like, it was a necessity to do it. You know, getting Rodon was also another big signing for them. Uh, replaced Tyone in the, in the starting rotation. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Rodon, but I think what he has to offer um, – is, you know, on the level of what Tyon could have produced in his best season. So I think I take that signing for now and see how it goes. 
How about Xander Bogarts to the Padres? You know what? That was a weird deal. Um, we know what the issues are with that team and Tatis, obviously. Uh, we know he's moving positions for it. But it just seemed like a bit of a kind of out of left field. Um, the Reds For the Red Sox to let him go after trading Mookie Betts, obviously that really forced their hand to bring back Devers on that extension. Absolutely. Uh, and Bogarts, too, is kind of coming off a lackluster season. So you kind of wonder like what the Padres really got. It just seems like it's just part of their spending spree now. I, I almost think that's the one move that they made for the sake of making a move. I I think that was just to flex how much money they have. And keep in mind, Trey Turner turned down more money from them. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up, um, especially because Trey Turner was playing for the rival Dodgers, obviously, last right. year and, and the year before. Yeesh. So you would think like he had knowledge of like, oh, this team is really like going for it. And, you know, I, I will say I got to give AJ Preller a lot of credit for, you know, actually investing in Major League Baseball team, similar to what, you know, Steve Cohen's doing. They generally love the game of baseball. They want to see their team succeed. They're not penny pitching assholes like the guys in Pittsburgh, you know, trying yeah. to like <laughs> try trying to get like what peanuts to get, you know, players to play for them and, and like obviously use their crop system, but you can only go so far doing that. And, uh, you know, speaking of the pirates trying to get, uh, Andrew McCutcheon back on like a little contract to kind of keep the fans quiet. Um, in any case, yeah, you know, we can go on and on about that. Um, but I think with the Padres and, and especially the Xander Bogart signing, you know, the, um, I think it just really adds to their arsenal. I think uh, upside is what they're look, banking on and with their offense, you got to hope again, that everyone's healthy. And if they show up, then they're probably going to be one of my favorite picks uh, this year. But obviously, health is a big concern for that whole team, not just Xander. No, they're, they, uh, they're no doubt stacked. I think they have enough guys where even if one of them falters, um, they got enough bats to to make some noise in the NL West this year. I don't think the Dodgers got any better in the offseason. So if anything, you know, it'll be more competitive out there. And really, I'm glad we're talking about the Padres because just with the news the other day that they were signing Machado to that long-term deal after handing out all this money to Bogarts. And now apparently they're looking to bring in or, or to re-sign Hayter and to uh, re-sign uh, even potentially Juan Soto to these long-term deals, which is insane if they have the money to do it. Um, so, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy that this seemingly small market team is really putting the money where their mouth is and really showing them up and making them look bad, but I kind of love it. As a Mets fan, I do hate that we could be in a world where, you know, Machado and Juan Soto don't go to free agency. But, you know, as a baseball fan, I think it's good for the sport. The last thing I wanted to talk about, you know, the offseason, and, you know, we alluded to him before, but I, I just want to kind of go into a little more detail. is Trey Turner signing with the Phillies. Um, as you guys know, the Phillies made the World Series last year a bit of a surprise. And especially, I was shocked that they actually made it because they were no hit by the Astros, like, a couple days before the playoffs started. I thought for sure that's right. They were that that game was just going to take the wind out of their sails and be like, oh, we're like, you know, we're happy we're making it. And, you know, we'll we'll not get knocked out in the first round. But that did not happen at all. They were complete hacks in the regular season. It, it's really crazy that they had the run they did in the playoffs, um, to be honest. And I think they got a lot better with the Trey Turner signing. I'll be honest. I think that fits their lineup really well um they already have really good starting pitching 
you add him to that lineup and all of a sudden they're legit scary. Almost as scary as the Braves, to be honest. I was just say my fantasy team is gonna love it. Uh... <laughs> Nobody cares oh. about your fantasy team. Any other uh underrated, underrated free agent signings? Good question. Um I mean you know what? I know you brought up a Brayu, Mike, and I was like, I don't know if I want a Brayu. Um, but you know what? I kind of regret saying that. I feel like <laughs> the Astros got him for relatively nothing, and they brought back Michael Brantley. So I think those are probably two of the best under the radar signings there are. Like that lineup just got even better. Abreu was like one of the first signings too. I mean, he was, does that does that lineup need another there. professional hitter like Jose Abreu? Uh, it doesn't need one, but it's it's fucking got one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Astros right? are just gonna wreak havoc in Major League Baseball this year again. I, I don't foresee them slowing down. I think honestly, they're gonna put their foot on the gas this year um, and just go. Uh, I do want to say another signing I thought was a little kind of underrated, not terribly like, you know, super far down the list, but uh, Wilson Contreras going to the Cardinals. I think that was a great signing for them. Uh, Trying to replace Yadier Molina, who's one of the best craftsmen behind the plate to ever see the game. Uh, And then trying to replicate his, you know, professionalism and, and his framing and things like that. I think Wilson Contreras was a great fit. For the team, and I think I think the Cardinals are actually going to be uh, one of my favorite picks for the NL Central this year. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Jacob Degrom. Oh yeah, that's right. I was trying to avoid that one. This is awkward. I did that on purpose. <laughs> I know, I know. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's get it out there. Let's. We're gonna get it out there, and then that's it. No more talking about it. Sean. Oof. I mean. That night when the news broke, uh, I, I honestly, I really thought he was coming back to the Mets. I didn't think there was any way they would let him go. Um, you know, obviously there's the concerns there of the injuries the last few years. Uh, we know what he can do when he's healthy, and he's a literal baseball god when he's healthy. So, and obviously, you know, personally my favorite player. So, really tough to see him go. Uh that whole weekend, it was like somebody shot my cat. Like, <laughs> I was in the worst mood. Um, but, you know, after that, you just got to look at what the Rangers gave him. It was a offer the Mets really couldn't replicate. Uh, five years, 185 mil is insane for a guy that's missed that much time in the last few years. The Mets made him a pretty fair offer at, at three years and 120. Um, you know, pretty similar to what they gave Scherzer last year. Uh, it, it's just, plus he's going to a state where he's not paying income tax too. So, um, it's, it's just that much more that he's getting for the Rangers. That for the that. Mets, yeah. That the Mets weren't going to guarantee him. So, you know what? It, it's one of the situations. There's nothing they could really do. Um, they ultimately let him go to another team and they replaced him with the best pitcher on the market. So, but you can't really be too mad. You know, there's concerns about Verlander and his age for sure. But I mean, he's coming off of Cy Young. He was healthy last year. Um, they're trying to win right now. That was the move team. to make. Yeah, for sure. He's a leader, a great pitcher, and honestly, you know, sucked to lose Degrom. But as soon as we got Verlander, it's like, all right, it's you know that that hole's fixed. Uh, my take on Degrom here. Um, so you know when like you really want to leave like a party, but you got to say goodbye to the host. 
Jacob DeGrom is a guy who doesn't even say goodbye to the host. He's like, I'm getting the hell out of here. That's he couldn't wait to leave New York. Couldn't it was wait. an Irish exit. You know, there's conflicting reports. Him saying it wasn't anything personal about New York. It was purely about the money. The reports out there from some of the beat writers in New York saying he never liked uh, the COVID rules in New York. He wanted to be closer to uh, his home. I think he's from Jacksonville area in Florida. So he's like semi closer there. Um, I mean, who knows what the truth is? Maybe we'll find out one day. But, you know, based on the money alone, like I get why he would want to leave. I want to mention one more guy um, in the offseason and we can move on. Um, and it was probably one of the more shocking numbers that I've seen only because this team spent the most amount of money in free agency in their history. And we're talking about the Chicago White Sox signing Andrew Benatendi to a $75 million contract, the largest in franchise history. I was floored when you sent me that, Mike. I couldn't it's believe awesome. it when I saw it. It's really unbelievable that a franchise like that has never given out a bigger contract. I feel like I've seen it on like the bottom line a couple of times that they've given out contracts of that nature or larger. So yeah, I, I don't know. That was strange. We actually have like a little uh, inside joke between us with the White Sox, especially their moves. And uh, they basically make dinky deals that don't do dick. Their owner is a complete fucking clown. Uh, I'm just going to say that right now. He's one of the idiots who didn't want Steve Cohen coming into the league because he knew he's going to have to open up his checkbook too at some point. And we're seeing it now where he's getting called out. Teams like the Padres are spending supposed small market teams. You're in Chicago, man. You've got a storied franchise here. You better spend. I mean, you guys had a window to win. You pretty much fucked that up by not spending to support what you had. And yet they're just a run-of-the-mill team in the AL Central now. And they've won the most forgettable World Series in 2005 as well. So it's not oh, like they, yeah. they don't have success. The National League Astros, for crying out loud. Uh, just, ugh. White Sox. Okay, everybody. We can't spend the entire podcast at first base. We got to get our butts to second base. So moving on to our next topic. We have the WBC. Yes, the World Baseball Classic coming up. Uh, takes uh, takes a little bit of the monotony out of spring training, provides some interesting action-packed baseball for early March. What is your take on this, Fazio? I know you're a big WBC guy. Am I right? Yeah, you know, I like to dabble in the, the tournament there. I mean, it's nice to kind of break it up because, you know, you'll have games on at 3 in the morning. Not saying I watch those, but it's nice if you're waking up in the middle of the night, turn it on real quick just to kind of see what the score is. Uh, and it's like a nice distraction from spring training because as you guys know, like once spring training starts after a couple of weeks, it's like, all right, that's enough. Let's get to the regular season now. Obviously you can't do that. There's a lot of technicalities there, but uh, the WBC to me kind of breaks up that like wanting of the regular season to start. You got like some competitive baseball going. You got a lot of superstars playing for different teams. And, you know, just looking at the USA schedule, their first matchup is against Great Britain. Who thought they had a baseball team, huh? Baseball powerhouse. Yeah, unbelievable, <laughs> we, that roster. Yeah, we took a look at the roster a couple of days ago like to do a pre-pro, and I was like, Vance Worley, I know him. He's probably going to be their ace on the team. I don't even know if that's true or not, but um, they're uh, really grabbing guys from all different kinds of places in the UK, I guess. Uh, and a lot of their players actually are from the United States. I think they just have like a British or English last name. 
So they claim their country that way, which is, I guess, one way to do it. Uh, but I mean, I don't see the U.S. losing to these guys. If they did, it's one of the worst losses in WBC history for the team. And other teams are doing that, too. Like we're seeing Team Italy having uh, guys like uh, Cody Bellinger is playing for them, right? Or am I wrong? Maybe not Bellinger. Uh, Nimmo's playing for them. Um, Matt Harvey's playing for them. So, you know, they've at least got major leaguers. Uh, Great Britain has no one. <laughs> a lot of guys who had a cup of coffee with the Pirates five years ago. Or a cup of yeah. tea, rather. Like career minor leaguers left and right. It's going to be a rough squad to watch. Like, you know, God bless them. Uh, but <laughs> I, I think... Team USA is a uh, safe, easy first win there uh, on the 11th before they head on to play Mexico. I mean, yeah, outside of the U.S., Dominican Republic, their team is just godly. Uh, the guys that they have on the squad are just like, it's like an all-star team in Major League Baseball. It's pretty crazy. Team Japan, um, obviously they have some Major League talent there. They have arguably the best player in the world on that team and Shohei Otani, sprinkling a little you Darvish, and a couple of uh, names who escape me right now, but they could be international free agents in the upcoming years. Some couple of pitchers and a couple of hitters. They are going to be exciting to watch for sure. Japan's becoming a powerhouse. I think, you know, when, when players first started coming to the U.S., it was hit or miss. Some of them, um, I, obviously you had guys like Ichiro, but then you had some guys who had some success here and kind of burnt out. Um, I think Lately, we're seeing more and more Japanese players come here and really have tremendous careers. Obviously, Shohei Otani is the best baseball player on the planet right now. Uh, but that that team could be scary for sure. But the most important thing, though, when it comes to the WBC is players being healthy, making sure they finish the tournament healthy. You already see some players who are opting out. They have an injury. Some might have phantom injuries because some of some players, I, I think, really, really don't want to play in that tournament. Um, yeah, like Aaron Judge is a, a prime example. I think they just wanted to manage his reps and, you know, especially that large contract. They don't want to risk anything right away. Can't blame him. Kind of stinks that he's not going to be there, but, you know, it's understandable that players like him aren't going to be there. And when it comes to the tournament itself, there's not really a convenient place in this in the uh, calendar to play it you know i mean you're not going to do it in the middle of the baseball season i doubt you're going to do it after although that arguably might be a better time but before you're going to have a lot of guys who are like no i can't. they would love to play they would love the opportunity to play for their home country but they can't risk injury especially players who just sign big contracts with new organizations they can't afford to do that I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, you know, it's exciting like it usually is every year. And uh, go Team USA. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, stranded at second base. We got somebody in the batter's box now. Big hitter, big hitter. Hopefully they can drive us in. The topic I want to get into is uh, what your thoughts are on spring training so far. Which players have caught your eye? Uh, which ones have uh, disappointed you so far? I know it's spring training, but you just... You still don't like what you're seeing. Maybe there's a pitcher on your team. You don't like what he's doing. Maybe he's not throwing as hard as you would like him to, walking too many batters. Maybe there's this hot young phenom who came out of nowhere. Who do you like so far? Yeah, so uh, my guy, Jordan Walker, uh, the 
St. Louis Cardinals has been mashing so far. And not really too too surprising if you look back at his track record uh, in spring training, or I should say in the minors last year. Uh, he was tearing it up in double A. Uh, and I believe he also got called up to triple A uh, and just continued to just put up big numbers. Huge guy. I think he's listed at 6'6", same as Giancarlo Stanton, 250. And so, you know, he's hit a bunch of home runs this spring so far. I think he's up to four currently. Uh, he was at 500 up until today's games. I believe he went 0 for 3 against the Mets, uh, including a strikeout against Senga. But there's a lot to like about this guy. I think he's going to be their starting right fielder coming out of spring training, which is a little bit of a surprise because I think they were going to have him uh, start in AAA first, like maybe for the first month or so. But there's no denying his power. His speed is ridiculous, too. He has elite speed on the base path and uh, a great glove, too. Uh, maybe more developed as the years go on, for sure. But um, I think, you know, he's going to be a slam dunk prospect to come out and really just be one of those, like, budding all-stars uh, in the next couple of years. I got to take it to the Mets and say Ronnie Mauricio, just based on what we've seen so far. He's uh... – was their top shortstop prospect, or he has been their top shortstop prospect for a few years now. Uh, kind of fell off the radar. He's still a top prospect, but not really uh, a guy who gets talked about by uh, by the Mets or by the beat reporters too much anymore with the emergence of Alvarez and with guys like Beatty and even some of the, uh, the guys that they drafted last year. But Mauricio uh, really has blown up i think in the uh the winter league he or winter or fall league he had a pretty impressive run there uh that's carried into spring training so far i I, i'll be honest i kind of wrote that off just you know he got hot at the right time in the fall but so far in 13 at bats he's got five hits and three of them are home runs um he's completely filled out he's six three he's pretty pretty big guy uh was pretty lanky uh when the Mets first drafted him was kind of seen as a guy who could develop into a power bat, but now we're finally seeing it. This guy's easily like 200 pounds. Now he's a brick shit house and he's murdering the ball in spring training. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's more depth for the Mets farm system for sure. Like who knows if he's going to come up and be the next, um, I don't even know where you'd play him at this point. Uh, obviously you're not going to move Lindor. I think his glove leaves something to be desired to at shortstop. So he probably profiles more as like a third baseman anyway. Um, but yeah, it is just interesting. Uh, it adds a new kind of wrinkle to the fold for the Mets. Now it's, what do you do with a guy like Mauricio? We were already talking about Beatty and, uh, the emergence of a guy like Vientos potentially at, at third base. We obviously got Escobar holding down the position now, kind of figure at some point, maybe he'll be phased out and used a little bit more as a utility guy for one of the younger bats, whether it is Beatty or, uh, or uh, Vientos, but now you add Mauricio to that discussion and it becomes even more cloudy. Um, you know, it, it's kind of creating a logjam for them and hopefully uh, they use it to their advantage, whether it's via trade or if they, one of these guys emerges and becomes a regular everyday player. Especially with the emergence of the DH now in, you know, all of baseball, it's imperative to fill that DH position, something the Mets are lacking Instead of going to the free agent market, you might have one right there in your system. Yeah, that's great takes. I think that guy, you know, he's he's gonna do. Uh, I think he's he's gonna blow up for the Mets for sure. I do wanna. I don't want to shortchange our audience. I I will add another guy who I thought was having a really great spring that you know you guys are familiar with as well, Jared Kalenic. He's actually leading the league 
in spring training right now with four homers. And there's a lot of buzz around Major League Baseball, specifically with players, saying that they think he's going to have a huge year this year. And, you know, this guy, Bargain Bin, he was he struggled mightily with the Mariners when he first came up. And, like, you guys, Mets fans, were just like, oh, kind of dodged a bullet there. Like, we thought we were getting rid of this, like, top prospect, you know, big gun, uh, huge arm, big power. But, like, that never really came to fruition at all uh, in Seattle. And then, you know, even last year, there was like a couple of games maybe where he flashed a little brilliance, but nothing to where his potential was when, you know, he was in the prospect system with the Mets. But, you know, according to a lot of people in the game, they think he's going to have a huge year. So I'm, I'm interested and he's showing it so far in spring training with the Mariners and, you know, Seattle in general, I think has a really solid team too. Uh, you know, Kind of sucked that they got eliminated right off the bat against the Astros um, in the in the DS. But um, you know, hopefully, more Mariners baseball, good Mariners baseball to come this year, and he's going to be a part of that for sure. Two players, Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm looking at obviously Corbin Carroll, number one, and uh, yeah. Gabriel Moreno, the catching prospect they got from the Toronto Blue Jays. I think he. Is gonna start for them right off the bat, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Var- so. yeah, Varsho went out. I mean, he didn't really didn't play a lot of catcher behind the plate, but he was listed as catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he um, is now on the Blue Jays, and he's got a big, big bat. Uh, probably will make a lot of noise in the division for sure. Probably give a couple of Yankee uh, games some some heartaches. Um, but yeah, I think uh, great callouts to them. Uh, I think there are big prospects coming up and. Um, Our show is an interesting player because he could play catcher and center field, which is he can wild. Run. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he's 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 nasty. Last year, like really early in the season, I thought the Diamondbacks were going to be terrible. I have the exact opposite feeling about them now. I think they're going to take a leap forward. If Corbin Carroll is anything like he was for me in MLB The Show last year, then he's going to be a monster. (laughs) Sean, Sean, Sean is our MLB The Show uh, insider, expert, extraordinaire, aficionado. Have you played the new one yet? Or it's not out yet, right? If I'm not mistaken. It's not out. They did have the the closed beta for a little bit there to test out some of the kinks. Um, I think it comes out the 24th. I just pre-ordered it the other day. I'm pretty sure early access starts the 24th. So looking forward to that. Uh, been pretty heavily playing it since the pandemic a few years back. Uh, every year, just grinding through Diamond Dynasty. Uh, this year should be pretty fun. They're adding uh, the Negro Leagues to it for the first time. So a lot more legends in the game. Uh, or Obviously, you, you got some legends already from the Negro Leagues in the game, like Hank Aaron and um, Jackie Robinson. But now you're getting like potentially like the cool Papa Bells and the Josh Gibsons and the... Uh, nice. It's satchel pages that, you know, we, we don't even know yet. So definitely opens up the door for a lot more fun legends to use. Uh, should should be fun this year. Uh, with the rule changes, there's going to be a DH and Diamond Dynasty for the first time. So that's oh, always wow. been, yeah, that's always been one thing where, you know, you uh, you just haven't had that ability. Uh, but now with that, I, it should be a lot more fun. I have a little prediction too. Like, you know, it's talking about like the Negro leagues being in, you know, it will be the show, which is long overdue. It's great to kind of see those guys, you know, come to life in video game form. You know, there's a, uh, I don't want to say a rumor, but just like speculation that 
there's potential that there could be a baseball game being played in New Jersey and specifically in Patterson and Hinchliffe stadium, which was uh, one of the last, it's one of the last remaining Negro league stadiums in the United States. Uh, and I actually think the New Jersey Jackals, which are an independent league team are going to be playing there. They used to play at Montclair state, my alma mater. I think they're going to move over there uh, in the future. And so it'd be interesting to see if major league baseball actually announces um, any sort of like event around this stadium in the next couple of years, especially now that, you know, the Negro leagues are in uh, MLB the show. I thought there might've been some, you know, um, little cohesiveness together there. I got a little idea for the uh, network here. What we should do is all three of us should create a, uh, a player and uh, simulate our road to the shows and see what, who has the best career, who, who has the, potentially a hall of fame career who had an unlucky career i think that would be a fun little uh video montage to make yeah so yeah sean set up, yeah i was gonna say sean set up like the parameters of like how long it should be or like what what we should do and yeah we can definitely just do like a quick sim of uh yeah. of a career that'd be fun yeah let's do it yeah and if you guys want to get the show we can uh get some diamond dynasty action going too there we yeah. go. No, I have I have my Xbox uh, One. I think I still have the uh, Game Pass. I believe it'll be on Game Pass. I'm not 100 percent sure, but just guessing. It probably um, will. Yeah, so I'll I'll be able to do that this year for sure. Yeah, sounds like nice. fun. All right, it looks like we're 90 feet away from home plate, about to score the game-winning run as we discuss the upcoming rule changes from as well as WBC coverage. Uh, what else do you guys got? So I think you know. Uh, this is a great first episode. I'm really happy to be on with you guys and kind of start this whole evolution of uh, Homegrown Sports Network. Looking to aim to record once a week, so hopefully we'll be there on your Monday morning commutes to the city or to the your work or wherever you're doing on that day. Uh, hopefully you can tune into us and give you guys some entertainment for your day. Sure, definitely a first a fun first uh, podcast experience. Looking forward to. Continuing with these, uh, I think there's going to be a lot to cover the next few weeks before we start the regular season. So just a lot to talk about. Uh, excited for the World Baseball Classic and uh, chat through with you guys. Tune into YouTube for the next upcoming episode, as well as Rumble, or you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next week.